One. Two. Three. One. Two. Three. One. Two. Three. One. Two. Three. One. When was the last time you had to count off to form groups? Stay tuned for a few words on divisions. I don't want to be rich, don't want to be popular, don't want to be selfish, no. I don't want to be a goat, don't want to be ignorant, don't want to be blindfolded, I just want to be countercultural. Violent, don't want to have a vendetta, don't want to be vengeful, no. I don't want to be a soldier, don't want to be militaristic, don't want to help that cycle, I just want to be a countercultural pacifist. I don't want to be a racist, don't want to be a capitalist, don't want to be sexist, no. I don't want to pass judgment, don't want to hold grudges, don't want to be hateful, I just want to be a countercultural, pacifistic, unconditional lover. I don't want to shop at Walmart, don't want to grow Monsanto, don't want to drink Coca-Cola, no. I don't want to burn petrol, don't want to eat perfect fruit, don't want to feel guilty, I just want to be a countercultural, pacifistic, unconditionally loving organic gardener. I want to be authentic, I want to be radical, I want to be optimistic, honest, beautiful. I want to be humble, I want to be progressive, I want to be open, I'm inspiration, I want to be like John Wesley, or Sarah Major, or Anna Mao, I want to be like Martin Luther, or Martin Luther King Jr., like Santa Claus, Johnny Appleseed, Dirk Dillims, or Gandhi, Alexander Mack, John Klein, George Fox, or Jesus Christ, but mostly, I just want to be me. Welcome to the Dunker Punks Podcast. I'm Nancy Fitzgerald, your host. I recently attended a retreat where we counted off in groups of three. Do you remember doing a count-off? Suddenly the friends who stood on either side of you are in different groups. It's a surprise, especially when you plan to enjoy the event with your friends. This is an all-too-simple illustration for the very complicated situation you will hear about. Nate Hostler, the director of the Office of Public Witness for the Church of the Brethren, brings us a unique interview in this last of his episodes on displaced persons. Youssef Dahar and Nate are in Jerusalem and have a wonderful conversation about the struggles for one, two, three groups to live together in the land called Israel. This is Nathan Hustler with the Church of the Brethren Office of Public Witness. We're doing the, the final um, podcast focusing on displacement, and I'm 
in Jerusalem right now, and I'll be talking with Yusuf Daher, and I'll allow him to introduce himself. My name is Yusuf Daher. I am the executive secretary of the Jerusalem Interchurch Center in Jerusalem. We'll be discussing uh, the present situation, and again, tending to focus on the topic of displacement. So, um, it's good to be with you, and uh, thank you. So you could explain your work a little bit, and um, we'll we'll jump into this interview. Yeah. Yeah, I'm uh, manning here what we call the Jerusalem Interchurch Center, which is a liaison office of the World Council of Churches for the service of the churches in Jerusalem. Our main work uh, is based on information and advocacy, advocating on behalf of the Palestinian Christians, the mother church of Jerusalem, over issues of Jerusalem and Palestine and Israel and justice and peace. And you yourself... Palestinians. I'm a Palestinian Christian born in Jerusalem, yes. So for our listeners, it'd be helpful to have a little background on the church here, um, your connection, also the displacement that has happened in this land, and, and some general background before we jump into maybe some more specific questions and thinking theologically and practically on this topic. Yeah, yeah. Well, people tend to, to feel displaced at, at many stages of their lives. Uh, they are forced to leave home and go and live in another home. For example, when I got married, I, I bought an apartment in Aram, which is suburb northeast of uh, Jerusalem. And uh, all of a sudden, we woke up, there was checkpoints preventing parts of the West Bank to to access Jerusalem and parts of uh, Israel. And this is where I had to leave my apartment and find another apartment inside Jerusalem so that I don't lose my residency rights. The same thing happened for my mother, for example. And this is the story of every Palestinian. My mother who comes from Haifa had to leave her uh, home and their lands and their properties in 1948 when Israel established itself on the lands of uh, historical Palestine. Her father took the keys of the home, took his daughters and went to Beirut. He thought he will go there for two weeks until the war comes down, but he never could make it back because Israel stopped receiving anybody who was outside the country during the war and after the war. And this is where my grandfather didn't make it back. My mother came back after being married to my father who met her in Damascus. So families and Palestinians and Palestinian Christians, they will tend to, to witness, to live displacement, uh, or at least once in their lifetime. And I, I, I felt it under, under occupation, and my mother felt it under the establishment of Israel and the catastrophe, the Nakba of the Palestinian people. So it, it, it brings both memories, it, it revives the memories of displacement. Today we were talking this morning about that we started a process where uh, a peace process and a peace dialogue was happening between the Palestinians and the Israelis. At the same time, the Israelis are still building settlements inside the West Bank. When we started talking 20 years ago, there was 100,000 Israeli settlers living in the West Bank. And the West Bank is the part that Israel promised to give back to the Palestinians to establish a state on, which is 22% of historical Palestine. And they are still building on until today, 
they have almost 700,000 settlers. They started with 100,000 while we started talking peace, and now they have 700,000. Now today, if we have peace and we recognize a Palestinian state, an independent state, free of Israelis, you will have to take these Israelis out of their settlements. And this will be a, a displacement for these Israelis. So this is where we tend to look at a solution that is really just for everybody, not based on the justice that enabled the Jewish people to establish a state on the basis of displacing 750,000 Palestinians and destroying 600 villages, but on the basis that everybody feels that this, is, this land is their home. Even the people who are settling now in the West Bank and even the refugees who are living in stateless situation, in a stateless status in the countries around Palestine, Israel. So that they come back, feel home, come back near to the destroyed villages they left or their grandparents left. And this is where we feel that when we talk to, to, to theology of justice, this is the theology of justice. We are all equal, we can live together in love as, as God wanted us to live. So the Church of the Brethren, as you probably know, um, where one of our big interests is, is in peacemaking, yeah. uh, and the other is in reading the Bible together. We we kind of we started as a community in large part by gathering in, in groups and reading the Bible together. Yeah. And I was at um, Bethlehem Bible College yesterday, and uh, while I was in the shop, I purchased a book as a theology of land by Munther Isaac. Yeah, and and so I'd be interested. You know, as people who both work for peace and read the Bible, how do we think about, particularly the, the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament, when we hear about lands, and how do we think, how does that relate to the present situation and for Christians here, but also for people who seem to be connected to the Israel and the Old Testament? How do we, how do we understand that? As... Yeah, yeah. Well, my brother, I think reading the Bible in, in such details... Uh, and we, we believe in, in the Middle East, the devil is in the details. So I look at the Bible and at the teaching as the Spirit talking to us in this general vision, in this general thing. And I think God who created us on his image as brothers and sisters, then we created religions and we needed maybe religions and we needed maybe our, our cultures and our different educational systems and so on. But at the end, he, God, wanted us to be equal. He, he loves all his children equally. And I think this is why nothing worked in, in, in Palestine, Israel, because we were always thinking, this is ours, this is not theirs. We need to control them. They need to control us. Everybody thought that they can control and they own this land. So getting into the details in the book, you are bringing the evil out of the book. And the book is good news. It's not evil. It's good news for everybody, not good news for certain people. So this is what we refuse sometimes to, to look at the Old Testament as if they are the, the God is choosing one people over the, over the other. No, he chooses the weak sometimes. He chooses the, the, the lost child sometimes in order to bring him back. But once he's, he's, he's back, he's, he's equal with his brother. And this is what God wants us. So 
The problem is going into the details and saying, no, this is what he wanted and stop. No, he didn't stop. God never, never stops. He wants us to live together in this land. And this is where from displacement to this kind of vision where we can live together in a homeland, everybody feeling home in this land, this would be the fulfillment of the wish of God. And it will not end. God will still and flourish and maybe make us angels at the end. <laughs> so there are, you know, the, the thought that we could cover all the details both theologically and practically and historically in you know, 20 minutes is more than hopeful, I would think. Yeah. Um, what, what would be key pieces, you've got a number of historical details, what would be key pieces that Christians in the U.S. particularly should be concerned about or should work on? Uh, we're, we're people that read the scriptures together and work for peace and serve others. But for most of us, this is a pretty far away place. So what is the what is the potential role or value of Christians being engaged and being concerned um, for the ongoing um, troubles? What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, first of all, Christians everywhere, and mainly in the U.S., they should not stand at one side over the other. They should not uh, take part with some party over the other, especially in this kind of conflict. They should be the witness and they should carry the message of God. The message of God, the loving God for everybody. They should love everybody. They shouldn't look at the Muslim as a terrorist. They shouldn't look at, at the Jew as, uh, as their, their brother uh, or as, as a Christian who, who converted uh, at, at that time or, uh, or in, in that time of history. No, we are here before Jesus Christ as Palestinian Christians. And we are your brothers and sisters like any other Muslim, like any other Jew, like any other uh, Hindu or, or, or uh, some, some unbeliever, un unbeliever. So we want, and this is what they should be, be looking at, we should be looking at the good of people, at the good of humanity. And Palestine, Israel is just one example that you have a say in you have a share in, and you have been supporting the establishment of Israel since its, uh, its establishment in 1948. This is the time that you should support humanity in, in this part of the world. And this, is, this is, will be the will, the will of God. Will, the will of God never told you to stand at one side against the other. We don't want you to hate Israel. We don't want you to hate the Muslims or the, or the Christians. And we want you to love everybody. At the same time, you will save a lot of money on your people. Love your own people first also. And why are you sending so much money for the Palestinians or the Israelis in, our, in this conflict? You are just fueling this conflict. So this has to stop at least. Because you are doing something. You have been supporting a system of apartheid. You have been supporting a system of occupation. You have been supporting wars and settlements and roads that access these settlements to the to the west side of the of the country so you are supporting all this evil you can save your money and pray for us and save your money and pray for us and push the israelis and the palestinians to live together in peace not each party to take a peace no to live in peace thank you for uh, putting out a bit of that vision 
I just want to say one thing. Why should we Palestinians stick to 20 22% of our historical Palestine and Israel have 78% of the land? Why shouldn't we share the land? Why shouldn't we share Jerusalem? And we are today almost 50% each. We are almost 6 million Palestinians from all uh, religious uh, denominations and 60% who are Israeli Jews. We can live together uh, as, as equals. We can have one political entity, one democratic kind of entity or state or whatever, or a confederation, and we can live together. We have lived together all through history. There was very little fighting between the three religions. There was some, some very hard times, but this was, in, in, in connection to history, this was short times. And many of these incidents came from the outside, not from the inside. We have been living together, we have the experience of living together. We live together even under occupation. But we need to have respect to each other with dignity of not ruling the other. And this is very simple. So we don't need to have two states. We don't really need to have... Uh, two or three states as we have now and we don't need to continue hating each other in this in this end and preventing each other we need we don't need this separation wall we need to break this wall and to live together and rule each us each ours ourselves in a democratic kind of in order to manage life but to live together yeah. you know, many uh, american christians come on pilgrimages to visit the holy sites and i i I think it probably relates to that that I've heard Palestinian Christians talk about visiting the Living Stones. Yes. Um, yeah. I'd be interested to hear your, your thoughts on that um, since yeah. you know, many people come but don't necessarily see, see everything or meet um, Palestinian Christians. Yeah, it means a lot that our brothers and sisters who live in, in nations that are powerful, that have a say in the, in the international arena, to, to connect with their brothers who are living inside the, uh, this uh, entity, in this, uh, in this holy land where our religion started, where our Lord Jesus uh, lived and, uh, and uh, educated us and uh, was crucified and resurrected from this land. So the, to connect with the mother church and to see the truth uh, that we are witnessing here and then connect it to your context uh, politically and educationally and on all aspects of life so that we feel the belonging of brotherhood and this is humanity this this is on the basis of christianity but then on the crazy on the on the overall picture of humanity you will also meet the jewish people here the, you, will, you will meet the muslim people here and you will see truth you will see that not uh, muslim muslims are not terrorists and the jewish people are not uh, all fanatic or not all uh, on the right wing. There are peace-loving people. You just met some of them. And especially for, for the Christians, they want a solution. We, win, we want normal life. And you will see if you go to the people, when you meet the people, it's not like uh, only uh, getting educated by CNN or by all this uh, kind of media. When you meet the people, you will see that everybody wants to live a normal life here. That's it. At the end, this is the bottom line. Everybody wants to live a normal life. If you see the people, you don't meet the politicians, but meet the people. And this is where living stones. Living stones does not really necessarily mean that only you are meeting the Christians, but meet, meet the real people. 
every people, uh, even a settler. A settler wants a, a, a real life where he is now. Some of them would say, I was put here. He doesn't have an ideology why he is living east of east of Jerusalem. But some of them, they want to live here. Okay, so you want to live here, you are connected to this land, okay. The best solution is that everybody can live here. And we say in the Bible, you were all born in her, in Jerusalem. Wonderful, thank you so much. You're most welcome, Habibi. We are equal. Anything is possible. You can remove obstacles. Were you surprised at Yusef's perspective? We might call his a grassroots look. Others might say he's overly optimistic that neighbors can live with neighbors without the politics of three different groups interfering. Yet he has a point about people just wanting to live, just wanting to be at home. Can this land that we call holy be home to so many different people with strong religious beliefs that influence their political boundaries? In today's North American struggles, at least in the United States, many are questioning the divisions we face politically, religiously, and and in so many ways. We used to be known as a melting pot, but that often buried the cultures of the people who settled in America. How do we value cultural differences, enjoy them, and manage to live together? More so, how do we value political differences, those that impact our choices for government and continue to live together? Nate spoke of the brethren tradition that formed us, reading the Bible in community. It has made a significant difference for our denomination in the past, and I hope it continues to influence the way we think and act. Sharing thoughts around Scripture is a basis for sharing. It has allowed those who do it to discern the continuing revelation of God. We have learned, even if very slowly, to listen beyond the differences of gender, and then we decided that ministry is not limited to males. We have listened beyond cisgender and learned to welcome folks who long ago had to learn to listen to themselves closely. We have listened beyond the differences of race as we endeavor to continue that listening even now. Can we listen to our neighbors and commit to live in solidarity with them if they share the land on which they live, that holy land? This is the question Yusef addresses, and I hope you will listen to him again because his ideas are profound and profoundly simple. We dunker punks like a challenge, don't we? So my challenge this week will take just a little research. I want you to find an article or another podcast related to Israel and Palestine, or even specific to the West Bank settlers, and listen or read with the ears and eyes of a neighbor. Hear the conflict and imagine sitting with them in a circle sharing sacred writings of all three religions. Imagine letting go of the devilish details, as Yusef called them, and hearing the call of God to God's children to find ways to live together. Imagine our count-off never being needed again as three groups learn to live together, distinct in religion and culture, and yet one as children of God. I don't think any of us will hear stories of this conflict the same way ever again. 
I leave you now with this prayer published by the Office of International Justice and Peace. It's from Rabbi Sheila Weinberg of the Jewish community of Amherst, Massachusetts. Two peoples, one land. Three face, one root. One earth, one mother. One sky, one beginning. One future, one destiny. One broken heart, one God. We pray to you. Grant us a vision of unity. May we see the many in the one and the one in the many. May you, life of all the worlds, source of all amazing differences, help us to see clearly. Guide us gently and firmly toward each other, toward peace. Amen. You can find more resources at usccb.org. Thank you for listening and for being a part of the Dunker Punks and our shared journey with Jesus. The Dunker Punks podcast is a collaboration among a dozen young adult contributors who provide content for episodes that post every two weeks. We are sponsored by the Arlington Church of the Brethren and others who donate in exchange for a mention here. Please spread the word if you like the podcast. You can find us on social media as Dunker Punks Pod. Thank you to our great producer, Suzanne Lay, and our wonderful musician, Jacob Krause. Both of them edit audio, and today's was done by Suzanne. I'm Pastor Nancy Fitzgerald and would love to hear your comments. Go now and live the Jesus way. One. Two. Three. One. Two. Three. One. Two. Three. One. Two. Three. One. Two. <laughs>